Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Notice in verse 10, the adversaries of the Lord. Now this is, uh, I would underline or circle verse 10 because this is a really pivotal pivotal <laughs> verse in this prayer because this verse by itself is so messianic in its nature. As we look at it, you'll see why. I've been dropping hints all along as we've gone along here. But notice, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces for heaven he will, from, from heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. Notice this, he will give strength to his king. Underline that. When Hannah was praying this, there was no king in Israel. Today, on Truth in Christ, our scripture says, He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. At this time, Israel did not have a king and didn't seem to want one. So when Hannah spoke of his king, she looked ahead to the Messiah, who will finally set all wrongs right. He is his anointed. This verse shows that the Old Testament proclaims the coming of Jesus in so many ways. Lord, thank you for your word that gives us proof that you are who you say you are. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. A child would be stillborn. Have you ever wondered why David's son, when, the, when he sinned with Bathsheba, that very first son, who knows what a great king that child might have been. He may have been a great king. And yet, who is king after Solomon? His son Rehoboam, not a very good example. Could it have been? I wonder what that son originally might have been like. Could he have been really stellar? We'll never know. In Isaiah 55, God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, so are my thoughts and your thoughts. In verse 7 in our text tonight, it says, The Lord makes poor and he makes rich. He brings low and he lifts up. In Psalm 75, it says, For exaltation neither comes from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. These things aren't up to us. Some of us are blessed with money. Some of us aren't. And people get mad because they don't have certain things. You know, Some people are wealthy because they work really hard. Some people are wealthy because they got it by dishonest gain. Some people are wealthy because they were at the right place at the right time and they were afforded opportunities that some other people didn't have. Should we get angry? Some people are poor because they haven't worked very hard. Some people are poor because they've worked hard and it just wasn't God's will for them to be exorbitantly rich. 
And maybe they weren't afforded the opportunities of somebody else. That's life, isn't it? Isn't that life? Sometimes being in the right place at the right time, and is, is all that working, is all that stuff, isn't that the stuff of God? I've known wealthy people. We've had some friends in our family that are very, they're millionaires. And they're the most down-to-earth people. And believe me, they're not hung up on money. And they're not like extravagantly, you know, just giving things away either. You know, many of them, these people that I'm thinking of, they don't know the Lord. Pray for them. But they're, they're, they're just average people. You'd never know that they were, they had that kind of money. But they, they're not hung up on it either. They can handle it. <laughs> Why would God give something, allow somebody to be really wealthy if he knew in their heart when they were born? It's like, I can't allow that person. Because of their makeup, because of where they're going to go, if I give them, if I allow an opportunity to come in their life, it's going to destroy them. God is wise. He knows what he's doing. I ought not to fret against it. I ought not to kick against it. I do the best I can, and I work hard like anybody else. And if God wants to prosper me, that's his business. If I work hard and nothing happens and the opportunities don't come, does that mean I, I pout and I yell at other people and I get jealous of them? No, I just continue doing what I'm doing. And I trust God in the middle of it, right? But not today. People are angry at anybody who's wealthy. And again, we don't know. Some have gotten it because they, by dishonest gains, some have worked really hard and done things right all their life. And God can, he can trust them with those things where somebody else he couldn't. Notice in verse 8 in our text, he raises the poor from the dust and he lifts up the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the Lord of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. I love what it says in Psalm 37, the meek shall inherit the earth. The meek, not the weak, but the meek. Those who have great potential but are willingly submitting themselves to him. That is what meekness is. Meekness is having great ability but purposely restraining yourself and submitting yourself to a higher authority in your life. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a boss and a, uh, an employee-boss relationship. The employee may be smarter than the boss, but the, but the meek co-worker or the, the meek worker will say, you know what, I could run this company better than he can. But the right heart, the meek, will say, you know what, but I'm going to serve this company the best I can and I'm not going to get in the way. I'm not going to speak behind his back. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. You know, God will always guard the feet of his saints. He will be with you even to the end of the age. Isn't that what he promised? When he gave that commission, the great commission, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them, and I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Isn't that what he said? Notice in verse 10, the adversaries of the Lord. Now this is, uh, I would underline or circle verse 10 because this is a really pivotal, pivotal <laughs> verse in this prayer because this verse by itself 
is so messianic in its nature. As we look at it, you'll see why. I've been dropping hints all along as we've gone along here. But notice, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. For heaven, he will, from, from heaven, he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. Notice this. He will give strength to his king. Underline that. When Hannah was praying this, there was no king in Israel. There was no king. And notice, and exalt the horn of his anointed. This last verse, especially messianic in nature, as it speaks to the future judgment, and a king who will sit upon the throne, the anointed one. That word anointed is Messiah, Mashiach. That's really what it is in the Hebrew. Before there was any king, Hannah here, it doesn't... Freak me out too much at all to think that she was prophesying here of a yet coming future king. And I think that's what's so wonderful about how God does things. Remember, we were in the book of Ruth. Ruth had no idea that she would give birth to King David. And ultimately, through King David's loins would come Jesus, the Messiah, the line of Judah the fulfiller of all the promises in the Old Testament, all the prophetic scriptures. And this is the first time in the Old Testament that speaks of a king and the anointed one together, and we know that it's prophetically referring to Jesus Christ. The word king is melech. That's literally what it means in the anointed. As I said, it's Mashiach or Mashiach. It's speaking of the Messiah. You remember in Daniel chapter 9, uh, verse 25, it says, um, as Daniel is receiving this prophecy, this incredible prophecy. In verse 25, it says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, that's the same word here as anointed, Mashiach. Speaking of Jesus, turn with me to Psalm 2. In Psalm 2, I think that last verse, in fact, everything that Hannah has been praying right now, I, when I think of verse 10, you might want to write off on the margin of your Bible, Psalm 2. Read Psalm 2 and read verse uh, 10 again, and I think you'll see as she is praying just the underdog. And then we hear of this, from heaven he will thunder against them, the wicked, He will break them in pieces. He will judge the end of the earth. Notice what it says in Psalm 2. Let's just read the first few verses. Why do the heathen, why do the nations rage? And why do the people plot a vain thing? thing? The kings of the earth set themselves. There's the word melech again that we saw in verse 10 that you underlined. Melech or king. They set themselves. They made themselves... They set their their throne. They were unmovable, they thought. And the rulers take counsel together. What? Against the Lord? Against Jehovah? And guess what? And against his anointed. Again, there it is. Mashiach. Same exact word that we read here in verse 10. Anointed. It means the same thing. It's the same exact Hebrew word. Anointed. Anointed. And what is their response? Let us break their bands in pieces, cast away their cords from us. Notice, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord will hold them in derision. And then he will speak to them in his wrath and in distress. He will vex them in his deep displeasure. And he will say, yet 
out of all the noise and all the restrictions and all the fights and fusses and all the election, he's going to say, one day when he sets King Jesus on the throne in the millennial reign, he'll say, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And he says, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. Isn't that what's, what it's going to be? We, he's going to inherit the nations. This, this Psalm 2 is so messianic. And you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Does that sound like verse 10 to you? Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. That's really good advice for everyone today, isn't it? It's really good advice for the world stage, for all the world rulers. Believe me. They will stand before Jesus Christ. He has given them a, uh, a power. He has lent it to them. It is on loan. The powers that be, what does it say in Romans 13? They're ordered. They're ordained by God. Every single person that you see in power right now is not by happenstance. It is there by God's design right. Even when our president became president in 2016, the world says, not going to happen. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. All the news agencies, never happen, never happen, can't happen, never happen. What? It happened. For such a time as this. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. What a wonderful prayer. There's so much in that prayer. And I just want to have you turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. We're going to read this quickly. Um, it certainly deserves a lot more time than we've given it. But I want to just show you something that's kind of interesting. In Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55, it is the prayer of Mary. We have often call it the Magnificat. It's also called the Canticle or the Song of Mary. It's when the angel... Uh, Gabriel comes to her and he tells her, he visits her, this teenage girl, he tells her that the Messiah is going to be born through her, the, the joy of every Hebrew woman uh, to, to know that, you know, back in, uh, what is it, in uh, Isaiah 7.14, what's the verse? Behold, the virgin shall conceive, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name, you know, you know, Almighty God, everlasting. And, that, and then it goes into Isaiah 9, verse 6, right? 6 and 7. So this song of Mary, she receives this, and as he, from hearing this visitation from this angelic being, telling her that she is going to have the very Son of God, the Messiah, the Mashiach, Nagid, in her womb, and God, by the Holy Spirit, is going to plant that seed in her. Joseph had nothing to do with this. Nothing that's why she was scorned whenever, when she came and says, can you imagine that showing up on your parents' door and saying, uh, I know I've got a baby bump here, but the Lord did that. Oh, really? Uh-huh. I believe that. Never been done before. It's never happened before. And guess what? It's not ever going to happen again. It happened once. Once. But notice what Mary says. What does Mary say? 
My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Does this sound familiar to the prayer we just read with Hannah? For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. Therefore, behold, henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Does this sound familiar? He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Does this sound familiar to you? He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Does that sound familiar? There's so many elements. I, I, I took the, the, the liberty and, and looked at this, and, and I thought to myself, I wonder what the differences are between these two things. And we'll just go through this really quickly. But if you want to write this down, you can, or I can send it to you if you want to see this later. This is just my opinion, okay? This is just something that the Lord showed me. It may be convoluted to you, but I think there's something interesting about this. Both of these prayers, the prayer of Hannah here in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and the prayer of Mary in Luke chapter 1, each of them are 10 verses long. And each of them start very similar. In fact, let me just give you something. And you can rewind the tape. You can look at it on the, uh, if you're fast enough to write it down, that's fine. Otherwise, you can rewind the video online. You can see it again or the podcast, whatever you want to do. You can overlook, you know, go over this again. But in Hannah's prayer in, in Samuel chapter 2, in verses 1 and 2, I kind of looked at that and correlated that with this prayer of Mary in Luke chapter 1 from 46 through 50. Back in Hannah, uh, Hannah's prayer, verse 3, corresponds to Mary's prayer in verse 51. Hannah's prayer in verse 4 can correlate to verse 52 of Mary's prayer. Hannah's prayer from verses 5 through 8 can correlate to Mary's prayer in verse 53. Hannah's prayer, verses 9 and 10, can correlate to Mary's prayer, verses 54 through 55. And what I thought I would do is read them side by side, in that order for you, and you make up your mind. I think it's pretty interesting. We'll start off with Hannah's prayer, and then we'll read the verses that correspond to what I just shared with you. Listen to this. See if you see any similarities. It may be forced a little bit, I'll admit to you, but I found it interesting because I think there's some elements of it that are very right on you. It's kind of spooky in a way, and I don't think it's really spooky in the sense because Mary, no doubt, knew this passage in Samuel. She had probably read it Hundreds of times, as a little girl, hearing, having the Old Testament scriptures and reading this account of Samuel. No doubt she listened to that as a young girl, thinking, wow, what a privilege to give birth to Samuel, one of the greatest prophets Israel ever had. And now here she is, she's even getting a greater blessing, because she's going to be the one who is going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And I'm sure she's recollecting that prayer, and and, uh, spontaneously, out of her heart, led by the Spirit of God, she starts to think about Hannah's prayer, and she starts to interject her own life into it. Let's read it. Hannah's prayer. We're going to look at, I said in verses uh, 1 and 2, it correlates to verses 46 through 50 in Mary's. And so let me just read those two right next to each other. So Hannah said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. And what did Mary say? In verses 46 through 50, you'll see some similarities. Just pure worship. What does she say? 
My soul magnifies the Lord, and my heart and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who was mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Sound familiar? Back in Hannah's prayer, she says, Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. And we correlate that with Mary's prayer in verse 51 of Luke 1. And she says, Mary says, He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Verse 4, The bows of the mighty are broken, Mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. What did Mary say in verse 52? He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Isn't that really what it was all about? This juxtaposition, this comparison between the mighty and those who are nothing. And here Mary says the same same thing. In verse 5, what what does Hannah say? Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread. The hungry have ceased to hunger, for the barren was born seven. And she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the Lord are the of the earth are the Lord's, and He has set the world upon them. What does Mary say in verse fifty three of her prayer? He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. In verse nine of Hannah's prayer, He will guard the feet of His saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And then in verse 54 of Luke chapter 1, Mary says, He has helped his servant Israel in mercy, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, Abraham, and to his seed forever. And you just see so many similarities between the two of them, each of them ten verses. It just so happens to be in, in the English, works out to be ten. The pattern of it flows almost very similar. But notice that it started off with just praise and worship. And really that's where uh, it all begins, isn't it? You know, when Jesus gave us that model prayer, it wasn't by accident. He gave that to us to keep us focused. If you're like me, I need something to keep me focused. It's, it's a model prayer. So just something to think about. So um, why don't we stand together? And um, next week we'll get into, uh, we're going to meet the wicked sons of Eli, and we'll look at Samuel's childhood and the prophecy against Eli's household because they were so evil. So that'll be fun to get into, right? Everybody smile. <laughs> it's actually really good. And um, But let's give thanks to the Lord. And Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, just so thankful, Lord, for this prayer of Hannah. And we thank you for Mary, Lord. We thank you for this woman who has been misunderstood and has been put on an altar, Lord, when she herself would never be put on an altar. She knew that you were God Almighty in the flesh. And yet church churches and history organizations have put her on the same level as you, and yet you're the one who saved her, the one who bore her would save her. 
the one who bore you, Jesus, you would ultimately save her. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word and pray that you would um, open our hearts and, and just help us to worship you, Lord, as we look at Hannah's life and maybe feel a little convicted by her selflessness, by her sacrifice, Lord. And so, Lord, help us to, um, to worship you in all things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.